Welcome to the Daniel Artest Podcast. This is the live stream edition. This is powered by Access. Thanks to Access for sponsoring this segment. Um, today we got music is therapy. We got um, you know, three three dope gentlemen on the show. We got Richard Salatier, Dupree Rouse, and uh, Piff Jones. Uh, and I want y'all to, to just introduce yourselves and and what y'all do. We're gonna start with Richard, then Dupree, then we're gonna end with Piff. So Richard, go ahead, introduce yourself. Okay. Uh, Good evening, you guys. Uh, my name is Richard Solitaire. Uh, I'm a licensed uh, mental health counselor here in the state of Washington, uh, uh, city of Tacoma, Washington. Um, so I have a master's degree uh, in counseling psychology, uh, a licensed counselor, a mental health professional, licensed uh, supervisor as well. Um, and so I've been practicing for 13 years as a therapist. Uh, the youngest I've seen has been five years old, all the way up to 80s. Um, and so that's for what I've been doing for these uh, past years in terms of my practice. Um, I do have my own practice is under solitary therapy uh, here in the, here in Tacoma uh, by the Tacoma mall office uh, or by the Tacoma mall. It's called the Tacoma mall office building. Um, that's where I've been practicing uh, for a couple of years now, but overall practicing for 13 years as a licensed therapist. I'm Dupree Rouse. Um, I'm from here in Olympia, Washington. Uh, my master's in master's in counseling psychology with a focus in marriage and family therapy. Um, I've worked with people from ages about five to around 75. I've been doing this for a few years now. Um, yeah, so um, my practice is called Belief Center for Family Therapy. And so because I think beliefs are at the center. So, okay, cool. I am Piff. I go by the name of Pip Jones. Um, I'm from Queensbridge. You know, I've been doing music for um, over 10 years. I've been on a couple tours with uh, Davies. I got like about five or six albums out myself. I'm, a, I'm an actor now. Web series out. Web series is called Pyramid, a Queensbridge story. You know, uh, Piff, Piff, Piff is modest. Let's just uh, let's say like Piff is one of the, one of the uh, top young rap artists out of Queensbridge, you know. Um, Definitely have always hot mixtapes and hot videos and everything like that. Really, really know the business of music too. He also taught a class on, you know, getting into the music industry as well in Queensbridge, you know, teaching the youth how to, you know, the ins and outs of the music business. And that's one reason why I decided to, you know, you know, deal with him on this because I, you know, he's about his business, really smart kid, man, you know, and um, so I'm just glad that he's on here and everything. So um, the question, the question I had for for Richard and, and um, Dupree was, uh, what are some of the challenges you have, you know, faced when trying to, you know, uh, get a uh, black man into therapy? Uh, you want to go with that one first? Dupree, yeah, well, to... don't matter. Okay. Um, I'd have to say a couple of things, to be honest. Uh, another first thing is spirituality. Uh, Christianity, I've, I've learned as a black therapist, I mean, even as a black therapist, but growing up, a lot of things were spiritualized um, in terms of when you're going through issues, you know, when you're growing up, majority of the times you, you when you think of a therapist, majority of people think of a, of a white person, whether they're a white or white female, that that is the thing uh, or that is the person that they that they see. Right. Or they think of. Um, and when you bring in religion to that, as well as not shaming the family, that was another thing that I grew up in terms of of uh, why there wasn't as many uh, people of color, black black men, black women, black families going to counseling was number one, spirituality. You spiritualize it, pray about it, give it to God. The other part of it, about it was, was you don't go and shame the family. You don't go 
tell white folks what your business is and what's going on because if you're going through problems it's a reflection of what's going on in the home and so if you start going you start telling people they start to equate your last name that it kind of continues that negative stereotype like there's something must be wrong going on in the house um and that's the two big things that i think of um and as well as not glamorized you know it's just within the past maybe 10 years i've noticed that sports has probably been a big part of that um with a couple of football players or even basketball players now starting to come out and say, oh, I have mental health issues, but that wasn't a thing. It was like, get over it, toughen up, you'll be fine. But when it started to affect their lives, that's when it started pouring out more. So for me, the spirituality piece growing up uh, in the church, uh, Baptist, as well as don't go and shame the family. Those are two big things for me as a person uh, growing up uh, and as a therapist now that I see within the black community that is kind of push down in terms of seeking uh, therapy. So, yeah. I, I think a lot of it goes to stigma too, for me. Yeah. Like, yeah. Okay. You can't share your feelings. You can't share your emotions and, and what is there? Trans- don't even understand what it actually is. There's a stigma that you like lay down on the couch and talk mm-hmm. and so it's not like we have this actual conversation or, um, or it's like, it's stigma in a sense of it's, wrong to talk about your feelings, wrong to talk about your problems. It's wrong to go and seek help from anybody. And so, and then society, how society kind of puts on us where, especially as men, right? Men are not supposed to show emotion. Men are not supposed to, and black men are not supposed to show emotion. It seems like from when I was little, dad was always like, stop crying, stop crying. Don't do that, don't do that. We're taught to push our down, push our feelings down all the time and never talk about them. And so, and I think that that has such a negative impact on us. And, and because though we're taught to do that, um, we're taught to not share it. Just kind of like Richard was talking about earlier about shame in the family. It's like, we can't talk about our emotions, even though we have them, even though they're normal, even mm-hmm. though they're not, we can't talk about if I'm sad or if I'm angry or if I'm frustrated. It's the only thing that's really acceptable is anger normally. And so, which is sad, so, but we can't be sad happened i mean all of us are heartbroken for what's going on and it's like it's so hard we can't even barely talk about it yeah that is such a big thing in our community where it's like you can't talk about anything don't talk about your problems and so and then what is i think there's this uh, misconception of what therapy looks like and so like an old white woman or old white man and so no one that connects to me no one that'll understand me and and so and those people aren't going to understand us in some sense right and so Yeah, a lot of it too. Yeah, it's it's also hard to to get um like get people to understand that what are the benefits? How could this even help me? And so, mm-hmm. like, why would I go talk to someone about problems? Like, what what good could come of that? And so, I'm a big believer in the fact that if you don't understand yourself or understand why you're doing something, how are you going to change it? How are you move forward how are you going to change it unless it's an accident you might accidentally change something why you're doing something then you can't change it once you start to understand then you can start to move forward or start to make some change and so there's this belief of like what why would i do that and so i think that that's a big thing too yeah that's that's different the stigma is that like the stigmas i had when it was when it was me, it was just like, I, I really didn't want to go to therapy, you know, a lot of the times I know. And personally, I know I need it. We'll get into that later. 
But, you know, I just wanted to, like, you know, thank you all for coming into this space before we really get deep into these um this this interview this show or whatever so um hey piff this is for you hey piff what are the things you heard about therapy negative and or positive um i usually only see therapy in movies we never really talked about therapy at all yeah you know it's not it's not really something that's really discussed um in school they bring you know they don't really bring it up unless they feel like you have a you know a problem or something Cause I don't remember in school them just telling us like, yeah, you know, you guys should just do therapy or, you know, you guys should, uh, you know, seek, uh, you know, to talk to someone. So it's really like, it's really not talked about a lot, you know? Yeah. So I never really, until I got to college, that's when I really started having the conversation. Yeah. You know? That's but you know that was more you know it was more open and and, and broad you know because my high school was mostly black my middle school was my middle school was kind of diverse but when I went to high school it was mostly black so it was like uh you know yeah not a lot yeah. of that going on yeah I I, I can relate to that too I, I can definitely relate to that too because you know when I was in school um. When they, when I was acting up and they, they was talking about it, I needed like, you know, therapy, I needed help. They just threw me in special ed. Like, you know, back then, I guess now the conversation with, um, with mental health is, is more out there now. You know, you can have, you can have more and more open conversation about mental health and then not be labeled as crazy or, or whatever, you know, but I know growing up, they just threw a bunch of us in special ed class, said that we had behavior problems and, you know, gave us medicine when we got upset and stuff and just to put us to sleep, like, you know, so now that it is, is definitely, um, you know, more serious. So to you, Richard, um, how has therapy changed in this virtual world, you know, for y'all to actually for y'all to, and has it been beneficial and how does it affect, you know, the therapy assistance, you know, especially now with this COVID situation, a lot of people is doing, you know, you know, Zoom and stuff like that. So just explain that experience. Okay. Um, so for me, as again, I, majority of my practice has always been in the office, right? This, this whole COVID thing is definitely transitioned and changed. And how do I continue to help my patients? Um, so the benefits I do see is for both parties, I don't have to be confined to my office, um, all the time. And I can be anywhere. I can be in my car. I can be at home. I can go on a walk on my phone and, um, my patients, they can be wherever they're at type of deal. So I think that is probably one of the big things that I find is the benefit. Um, I prefer to have see my patients in the office, depending on what's going on within their life. Um, I do find to be a little more difficult in terms of the connection piece and also people take it, taking it seriously. Uh, individual therapy, I find to be a lot easier uh, or, or productive as, as compared to kids or couples. Um, because kids kind of just tell you what you want to hear because there's so many distractions that are going on where they just want to get back to a video game or they got their friends around. So I find that to be pretty difficult. Um, with couples, I find that very difficult unless I do a Zoom session where I have one person on one Zoom, they blink it up together versus having two parties together and trying to do a Zoom session and you have marital problems. I found that out that doesn't go too well. <laughs> so mm -hmm. I'd rather keep the patience. Where if it is a couple, they each have their own Zoom link in and one person somewhere, the other person somewhere, and I can kind of go back and forth. Um, 
but I found there's a significant, there's, we're connected, right? And yeah. well, we're connected, I should say like this, and we're disconnected this way, if that makes any sense. So in my office, we're connected face to face and you can, you can get a lot more information when you're dealing with a person face to face. But the accessibility being able to be up to be able to be connected to them is far greater because you're actually allowing to have that access and they can be anywhere. So um, those are things that I've learned. I prefer to see my patients in my office and when they especially when they very first start out. Now, if I've been seeing them for a while, then it's kind of we're just going over goals. We're kind of just keeping the ball rolling and that's OK. But from my experience, um, the face to face is a far greater and I think it's more impactful uh clinically and people have that ability to want to come in so i think the investment is another thing mm -hmm. is when you come in here you have to come in the office so that you're more invested when we sit down and we're actually doing this when it's on the phone it's kind of like it's there but it's not the same investment um i think emotionally behaviorally um even and even cognitively so yeah, yeah. Mm. For, for me it's um, been really difficult with children so, yeah <laughs> kids are so like I, I want it right now right now right now and so it's really hard to get them to sit down and have a conversation or to talk and so that part's really really challenging um I found I'm, I'm like Richard I like being in person and so it's so much better there's the energy the connection being able to see and read body language and a lot of the meta communication that happens that we're all kind of doing all the time and so like you can't really read that as much as well in online basically we're in person it's a lot easier to kind of tell oh this person's frustrated or pushed off or didn't like what that person said or eye rolls or body movements and you can read all that stuff online it's a lot more challenging and yeah. so that part's been really really hard um there's a lot of benefits though like for me i haven't been able to hang out with my family as much because i work all day and so and then the commute time home and so what's been really nice is i get extra time in the morning and extra time at night or if I um, someone cancels, I get to like go out and see my kids and see my yeah. wife. And so that part for me has been really, really beneficial where it's like I'm not sitting here reading or going through my notes or something. I can spend some family time in between. And so for me, it's been really kind of healthy to be able to have some of that interaction. I still prefer being here at the office. I still prefer I have an office at my house and an office here. And so I prefer to be here and be in person but I do see some of the benefits. And then um, I've seen where people that um, have hard time accessing, like getting here, where they can then pull up and we can just do it right online. And so that's been really nice too. And mm. so, but everything else will be redundant to keep going, so. Yeah, yeah, I, I would prefer to, to do a therapy session in the office as opposed to doing something like this. Cause I, I need that, that type of, you know, connection, you know, I need to, you know, you know feel that energy that's, you know, yeah, yeah. I understand where I'm coming from. You know, yeah, about, about yeah, having the energy. We'll definitely need. We'll definitely need that energy, that back and forth. Because I will feel, like you said, that disconnection. Even though we are connecting, I'm into it. I'm into it, but I still will feel like I'm not. I'm not there. So I, it would definitely be like you know, a, a problem in the in the long run. I will. I, I will feel like I will be like you know, wasting the session or something like that. You know. Right. So that, that's definitely something that. I will not want to do. So, um, hey, Piff, this one is for you. Um, like, when when did you when did you realize it was time to you know put your guard down and be vulnerable, be more open to you know doing something like this, or even wanting to you know talk to a therapist? Um, 
I would say when you guys presented it to me. Because before okay. that, before that, I never really thought about it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I didn't feel like I didn't feel like I needed to talk to anyone. Hmm. Any reason why? Um. No, I really didn't have a reason why. I just felt like I didn't want to talk to nobody. Hmm. I was just on. I was just like. Um, I would say it was like. Maybe me me seeing it in, in like movies so much made it look like a little corny. Right. It was like, I don't really, and I was young too. So I was like, like he said, you know, we was moving around really fast. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I agree with you. I mean, I see the same thing in movies and I'm a therapist and people will look at me like, is that really hell? I'm like, no. <laughs> no <laughs> only, like, the only therapist movie I do like is um, um, the one with um, Robert De Niro. And, uh, anger management. Anger management. Oh, what is it that? That's what it was called with the with the guy with the glasses. What's the guy's name? No, not Robert De Niro. I'm sorry, I'm tripping. Was his name Robert De Niro? Yeah, no, it is. You talking about Adam Sandler and Jack Nicholson? No, it was it was uh, he was in the mob and he had a and he had a therapist. Mm. And it was he, it, they had two movies too. These were big movies. Oh man, it's so crazy that I can't get the name of these movies. It was Robert De Niro with hunting. It was definitely Robert De Niro, and it was and it was the um the dude with the glasses. He was just, oh man, it's crazy. Yeah, we got we got we got to find out. Find out. Yeah, we're gonna find out. out. <laughs> we're gonna look it up, and then we're gonna find out. But yeah, <laughs> they had like two movies. He was in a mob. But he was doing therapy. He was like the head of the mob. But he was doing analyze it. this. Analyze this. Oh, okay. And then they had analyze that. Okay, 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 okay. Cool. Yo, that was great. That was like, if therapy was like that, I would, that's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> like, in the mob to do that, you know. So. That's fine. I, I got to check those movies out. So, Piff, this is the questions for you too. You know, we all been experienced, you know, a huge, huge turmoil in the world with this current, you know, situation with the, you know, with the COVID, and also what happened to, uh, you know, you know, George Floyd that has the world in the tizzy, and also in your world too. You know, we're from the same neighborhood. You know, we lost somebody great recently, um, um, King Shooter. You know, a local, a Queens, another Queensbridge rapper that was really literally on his way up and um, just, you know you know passed away so soon so quick and that's you know, like piff best friend and then i like, really heard him and stuff so like piff like what you, what you been doing yeah yeah today makes a month yep exactly so like, what you landed on this day it wasn't yeah planned. yeah wow you're right <laughs> but imagine your question though piff like so what you've been doing to keep yourself you know sane and everything um really i've just been going to the studio mm -hmm. i've been just trying to uh keep myself working every day you know what I mean? Yeah. Because um, when I'm when I'm outside and I'm walking around, you know, a lot of people want to talk about it. Mm. So it just brings me back into the same mode. Yeah. And if I just stay around, if I sit around, I'll be I'll be all right. But then something will happen. I hear something. Somebody will say one word, and then I'm right back. You know, into into like into like sadness and. You know, so I just use it as like I know he worked every day, so he would want me to work every day. So I just try to, you know, stay working. 
So um, also, Piff, uh, how much um, how much is music therapy for you, man? It's everything. You know, it's it's like well, if if I don't if I don't get to like record like record music, it's like something's missing in my life. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's like I have a lot of songs that I never released and probably never gonna release, but I just needed to release that energy from from me. You know? Yeah. Because if I don't do it through music, it's gonna be through another way, and that is not productive. Yeah, I mean, like arguing with people, or like you know, just snapping or being angry. So when I get to go yeah. to the studio, it's like I can say whatever, I can get everything out, and you know, if it's good enough, I let the people hear. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which is often, by the way. So stop playing, man. <laughs> which is definitely often. Thank um, thank you, man. I'm a humble soul. Bro. Yeah, I know, man. I know, I know, I know, I know. But you don't have to be modest on the on the show. We're from the same neighborhood. You already know, man. But like, I understand what what Piff is talking about, everybody, because I personally went through a loss like that with my friend. I had a friend named um George George Jefferson, actually. That's his name. Um, he passed away. Um, he was in college. He passed away unexpectedly, mm-hmm. and I definitely understood that loss. Like, I felt like like I, it still hits me today. And this and this happened like um what fifteen years ago. You know, and um, I, I still feel the same exact pain today as it was like if he passed away yesterday. You know, it still hurts. It's still like it's something that is, that is hard to get over. Like so, like what are the steps that one should take, uh, Dupree, to you know move forward and you know still live life with you know even though you know losing a friend. Um, that's a loaded question. Um, give you a metaphor of what. It, what you're talking about sounds like grief. And to me, um, grief is very much kind of like the ocean in the mm. sense how the ocean, sometimes the waves are really, really big and they hit you. And I know we've all played in the ocean before, I'm assuming, and been out there and get, getting hit by waves. And sometimes when you get hit by a wave, it hurts. And yeah. sometimes the waves will come in and it's real soft and it really it just hits your feet and it's just cold. It's not really a big deal, but it hurts. And then, because it's cold, but then other times it's like this crazy storm of just wave after wave after wave. I don't know if you've ever seen them hit rocks and like yeah. movies and stuff, and it's just like, and it's crazy. It's like, that's what grief is like. And some days it's like, it just hits you a little bit. And then other days it hits you and it just hits you so hard that you can't even like function. You can't breathe. It hurts. And it's like, yeah, yeah. and that's, that's grief. And that's lost. And so what we try and do in therapy is, is to work through and make it so that you have skills to deal with what some of that is and knowing what that is. And then like what Piff said about music, I mean, having skills to release that is so important. So if it's music, if it's, if it's um, uh, sports, I mean, whatever it is for you to, to help find you some purpose and something in the <clears throat> talking about the pain, but Grief is hard to explain because it, it encompasses so many different emotions all at once. It's sadness, it's anger, it's frustration, it's disappointment. It's, I mean, it's all these different things all together. And so it's, it's hard to say exactly what to do, but understanding first that I'm in grief is a big piece. And so, and what that looks like. Hmm. Richard, do you have any thoughts? Um, 
yeah, uh, I've dealt with grief and loss on multiple occasions here in my office, uh, whether it's kids, whether it's, uh, you know, a woman not carrying a baby full term, whether it's car accident. I mean, I've dealt with it on multiple um, aspects and you have different forms of grief and loss. You have ones that are expected, like, you know, um, you have a, okay, my cousin has cancer. So that's a long-term way of dealing with grief and loss because you know, there's expected time, right? Then there's these ones where you're chilling, you get a phone call and it's hit you like, you know, a Mack truck where it's out of, out of nowhere. You know, when you, it's sometimes it's kind of, it can be perceived as easier to deal with because you know that there's an end where, Hey, my grandfather has cancer. There's going to be a time where it's able to do it. So you have more time to process when you have an, um, a death where it's just occurred at that point in time. It's a lot harder to deal with. I think a big part, huh? I just said unexpected. Yes. Unexpected. Yes. Um, I, I think that number one, knowing, and, and this kind of goes back to the spiritual part. This kind of goes back to the cliche thing. And you, you know, exactly where I'm coming with this with uh, Dupree, where people want to spiritualize, give it to God, pray about it. it it'll be, it'll be okay. You're going to, you're going to get over it type of deal. One thing I look at is when I work with my patients is this is something we're going to go through, not over. Right. Mm -hmm. Because there's that misconception that, okay, once you reach this point, everything's going to be fine. And you made that great uh, statement right there saying, I don't, you know, that happened like 15, you said 15 years ago. Yes, sir. Yeah. 15 years ago. And it feels like it just happened yesterday. Right. Yeah. So it still carries with you. And sometimes allowing it to be with you is okay. I think we have this stereotype in terms of like religious base or, you know, go to a counselor, pray about it, you know, let it go. You'll get through it. That somehow if I do all that, I'm going to have to forget about my friend or what happened versus no, I can, I can have that with me in a way to comfort me as I move through this loss, you know, cause that's a big thing because if you carry it with you, you can still process throughout your day and through your life. But sometimes it's perceived as where, it's something you need to get rid of. Like it happened in the past. You need to let it go. So then what does that say about me and my relationship with that person and how I'm still here? And sometimes you have a survivor's remorse where it should have been me, right? How come it was that person and what, where am I at with my life? How come I'm still here when that person had passed, passed away? So that can be another part of, of grief and loss. Um, I think number one time, allowing yourself to have that time to process through it. Um, we don't, we're not really told that, um, what you're describing Pip is, you know, those are, those are, uh, distractions in a good way as well. I mean, cause they distract you. Like when you're in your moment and you're doing your work and stuff like that, it's an easy way to get through it. When things slow down or people come at you, it can re-trigger those thoughts that you haven't dealt with. Right. So sometimes it can be, you know, not a good thing, but it still lets you know, Hey, there's still things that you're going, that you're struggling with emotionally that you still haven't worked on or addressed because people still bring it up and that need can be forms of PTSD because that post-traumatic stress is still coming around because those people are still bringing things up. So it doesn't really allow you to heal or heal in a proper way because it keeps getting re-triggered. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah it makes, yeah, it makes perfect sense. Yeah, it does. Um, yeah, it makes, it makes, it makes perfect sense. I got that one. Unexpected, unexpected loss is some of the hardest too, because it's not mm -hmm. Richard was talking about when we expect our grandpa to die or grandma or someone that's really old, it's like they lived their life and then they're, they're young and this happens. It's like, well, wait a minute. They have so much life to live, so much left to give. And, and that messes with us too. 
because we're like, wait, why? And that survivor's remorse, and we question, and we, we think about, and, and so that's a, when it's unexpected, it's usually, it's really just really hard, and so it's a lot more challenging, so. Yeah, and I definitely agree with Dupree, what he's saying is where it can be, you're, you can be, you know, it can be as quick as going from one light to the next, where one moment you're like, I got this, I'm getting through this, and then you go to the next light or two lights down the road, and you like, what am I going to do? You know, you freak out the next moment. You're like, it's okay. I'll pray about it. God, you take, you know, you're going through all these different things of anger, of, of, of disbelief, right? Denial. Like there's no way I just saw him. Like, what are you talking? You know, there's that, there's that stage. There's that anger stage. There's that, you know, what about me? And then it also helps. Also what it can do is it, it makes people kind of challenge or address their own uh, mor mortality, right? Where am I at in my life? You know, what am I doing now that this happened to my friend or a family member who passed away? It kind of makes you challenge or think about what am I doing? Am I at where I want to be? All those things can come into play as well. It's okay to take time. It's okay to feel what you're feeling. I, I think the society tells us that it's not okay. Yeah. Family, right? Like kind of we talked about earlier with beliefs is it's not okay to feel these things or, or you need to get over it. And it's like, no, that's we can feel it and process it. And that's okay. And that's healthy. And then doing something after that to kind of help yourself feel better. And so, but allowing yourself, it's like I was talking about what Richard was saying with the lights, like one minute here and it's okay. Then the next, that's what I was meaning by those waves. It's like one mm -hmm. minute, a small wave and it's like just there. And then the next minute it's these crashing crazy waves and it's like, what? And you're so overwhelmed and, and it just comes and goes. And so there's a lot there. So I also yeah. want to make sure I get what your, what your question was, because you were saying how to, getting into counseling, finding someone that you connect with, sometimes just being like, I've, has, I've sat in sessions with my patients and didn't say anything. I said, what do you need from me, Ricky? I just need you to listen. Okay. Mm. You know, a lot of times when you, when, when you're talking to someone or maybe a family or friend, they immediately go to tell you what to do. Then yeah. you can get out half the time. It's like, you know what? I'm good. I don't even want to talk about it. No, no, no what's wrong? Nothing. Yeah, that's me. Wanna, that's, good? that's me. I'm good. I'm solid. I don't want to talk about it anymore. Yeah. Right. I think another way in the house is, is honoring their memory, sharing cool stories, funny memories, things that you loved about them. I think that um, when we push it away, it almost feels like they're forgotten. And it's like we don't want to forget someone. And that's it can, can be really confusing. And so sharing memories, doing something to honor their memory. How do you? Um, celebrate on days that matter, like the, the day that they pass. Like, how do you celebrate? How do you honor them? What do you need to do to continue to make sure that their memory is alive? And so having conversations as best as you can when those negative things aren't happening. And so sometimes with the council, I'll let people just tell me funny stories or, or, or happy memories or yeah. like, what, what did you love about them the most? And, you know, and, and going from there and just sharing those kind of things and really remembering and trying to cherish good in who they are yeah i agree definitely and that's a complicated question because everyone's going to agree and everyone's going to process differently too and so it's it's not like a certain thing that's going to like okay let's do these 10 things and you're going to get over grief it's not always like that mm, that, that's true man and um and back to the waves thing because i want to ask shooter about the waves my experience with dealing with waves with my friend that passed away like 
it, it comes, you know, short. It, it comes like slow, slow. But then I, I, I could particularly remember one big wave. I was working out in the gym, and this was like around 2014. I was working out in this gym in New York City. That's where we were from. And I seen his mom in the gym. And I stopped. She seen me. And I just, f- like, fell out crying in the middle of the gym at, like, 7 p.m. You know, and like hug me, embrace and stuff. And, you know, I was, it was just, it was like really good to see her. But then when I seen her, I seen him and I, I just like, I just, I just lost it. It just felt like for that one time when I was hugging his moms, like he was hugging both of us. That's what it, it felt like. It was like a, like a real big, powerful moment. And like people was looking, looking at us like we was, like we was, uh, you know, like what the hell's going on? And, you know, like I just couldn't stop crying. I was bawling, you know, like when I get into my feelings, like, I can really like, you know, let go. And and I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid to, you know, you know, cry and stuff like that. Like, um, I had a I did a live earlier because I was frustrated about something yesterday and I talked about it on my live today, like right here. And you know what I mean? For 50 minutes, and I was like crying for like half of it, like really like like just opening up and just letting things go. Cause I know like, you know, I feel better when I do it, but I hardly do it. Yeah. You know, and I just I keep it pent up and it just feels like something's right here. I, I can grab it, but I can't like right. get it out or something like that. So when I like shooter, so like from your experience, like how do you deal with it so far? It's been a month. Like how you deal with it when it, when it comes in ways your um, in with, 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 um, shooter. Um, I don't really know. Yeah. I um, understand. Right now. I just, I wake up and I just do things. Yeah. My daughter makes me happy. You know, she makes me forget about it. Well, not forget about it, but you know, she makes me like, she takes it off my mind. Um, the music. Um, I haven't really been playing a game like that. Mm-hmm. Just because I used to be on talking to people, you know, on the headphones and I don't know. My friends, you know, my friends helped me out. Um, yeah, but basically, man, I just I just wake up and live, you know. Yeah, definitely. I feel you on that, man. That's the best I can give you for now. Yeah, no, I no, I listen. I totally understand where you're coming from because you got to think about it. Think about this, you know, like like Kobe just passed away. And, you know, I had, you know, my history with Kobe Bryant as well, you know, just being out there, living out there in L.A., you know, when, when Ron was playing. So, like, when he passed away, I know the first the first month, even sometimes right now, I, I get that feeling like, damn. Like, he's like, you know what I'm saying? Like, are you serious? You wake up like you you trying to you trying to you probably go look for a highlight. You probably look at your phone. You probably probably like think about it. You like. Like damn, like that's like that first. That's the one of the ways like I dealt with, you know, yeah. with Kobe with Kobe passing away and stuff like that. Even when when George passing away, like calling and leaving voicemail after voicemail after voicemail, or whatever, you know. Um, but yeah, I, I totally understand where you're coming from. You know, right there when you it's like it's still like it's still raw. Now I totally understand. Yeah, sometimes it's, sometimes it kind of feels like you just gonna walk up to us and just be like, "Hey, I'm back. I was playing." Yeah. So it's like, it's surreal, you know, it's like. Yeah. You know, because 
because it's like when I we we did so much together, you know. So it's like when I hear the music, it takes me somewhere. When I see a picture or anything, it's just you know you, when you're so connected to a person and it's just gone, you just like you know when you don't get the closure, it's kind of like an open wound forever. Mm-hmm. No way to close the wound, you know. Yeah. Well, not that I know of. Are you right, man? I think sometimes right. I've also worked with people where they're afraid to let go because, or not, I shouldn't say let go. When I say let go, I mean let those emotions out is because they are fear of what that is going to feel like. You know, because, you know, you're used to having everything kind of in control, right? And when that fear or that when that person's passed away, you know what's there. It's somewhere in there. And you're like, no, nah, I'm good. I'm cool. Like, I got my things. And it comes up every so every so often, but then you push it yeah. back down. Yeah. Because you're afraid, like, it's like, I'm I'm afraid. It's like, it's kind of like the Hulk, you know what I'm saying? Like, if you're afraid it's going to come out and just, you know, you're afraid of it type of deal because of the deal. I don't, right. don't want to go into, like, that form of, like, uh, like depression, you know, and, you know, being non, non-productive. Right. Mm. Because you know, this ain't the time for that. So I kind of gotta like not suck it up, but like channel it. And like, I don't know, bro. It's hard to like control it, but it's like I'm doing it. I'm, you know, so it's not impossible. No. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Mm. My biggest thing was actually just really facing it and just really accepting it. You know, that 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 is really not here anymore. Yeah. That's the that's that's the hardest thing, man. But you so like you know, I seen the the, the videos and stuff like that when y'all was at the service and um you know the, the, when they let the doves go, you know, the doves went to you, went to uh pick. And you know, y'all sat there, y'all talked to it. You know, what I mean, it landed dead yeah, on your head. head. You know, what I'm saying? right on your head, the dove. And so that yeah. was like a really, that was like a really powerful moment, man. When I seen that, man, I like got really emotional about that because it was, it was, was a really the craziest thing. thing that I ever seen in my life. Yeah, yeah, that was, that was, that was really awesome, man. And um, you I've know, never that, um, seen that before. Never. By chance, I didn't see it. Um, yeah. So uh, they let off doves, you know, at the end of the service. Mm-hmm. So they could fly away. They let off the doves and like all of them fly flew away except for one of them. One of them flew back to us and it, it landed next to one of my friends on the car. Wow. And then he was talking to him. And then it landed on my head. It was like an outer body experience. It was like, holy shit. I don't even know what to do. Sorry, excuse my language. I didn't even know what to do. I was just like, oh, like the energy it gave me was like, yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> so, I'm not, you know, because when I was younger, I went to church all the time, mm-hmm. like every day. And, you know, for people that go to church every day, when you get older, you saw that one or two things happen. It's like you don't go to church no more or you keep going to church all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, so I was young. I felt like it was being forced onto me, the church thing. 
So it was like when I got older, I, I kind of like moved away from that. So I wasn't really like a super spiritual person. Mm. But when some when something like that happens, it kind of just reminds you of having faith. You know what I mean? Yeah. It just like restored restored some like faith. Mm-hmm. That's 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 deep, man. So uh, uh, okay, go ahead. No, go ahead. Just it's really cool that that happened. I mean, that's amazing. Like, yeah, yeah. That was, yeah, it was definitely cool. That was something, man. I tell you, my yeah, yeah. When it put me on a spot like that, I was like, God damn! <laughs> looking at me, huh? <laughs> that was definitely a powerful moment, man. So, a question for uh, Richard and Dupree. This is for both of y'all. So, what is therapy for therapists? You know, think ah. about it. That's yes, a crazy question. <laughs> so, <laughs> need therapy. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, we all black men in here. You know what I mean? I know y'all therapists and stuff, but y'all still, you know, have the issues and stuff. So, how do you know y'all cope with the trauma? Like, what do y'all do? Do y'all have a therapist that y'all see, or do y'all like to practice the steps that y'all be uh, preaching? Uh, yeah. Here we go. Okay. Yeah. Uh, for me, um, I do see a therapist. Um, and at first I was like, man, I'm good. I don't need, I, you know, and then I started thinking like, <laughs> how am I telling people to get therapists and I don't have one because all the things you're going through start getting on you. And then, you know, you rely on the things that you've learned. And I think, you know, Dupree can probably speak to this one. When you first start out as a therapist, probably the first two years, you come in with this mindset that I'm going to change the world, that I'm Superman. I can do everything. And then without that self-care and leaning on other therapists or learning how to deal with things that are, that you're dealing with in terms of trauma, because it takes time and experience. Again, for me, 13 years in the game, getting this far, you have to learn how to deal with those things that you see every day. I mean, in Dupree, I don't know, for me, you start out doing the hard stuff. You're, you're doing community mental health. You're, I'm in, I was in hospitals. I was in schools before I started my practice. So you're dealing with a lot, a lot of trauma, a lot of hard things. Um, and for me, it was learning, it was leaning on the things that I were to, was taught, you know, obviously going to church, you know, pray about it. But I had to learn from a personal standpoint is what did I need? And so for me, the big thing I would, that I do every, probably once, every, once a month or once every two to three months, I go to the ocean. So being in Tacoma, um, I drive to like ocean shores or uh, along the beach and I'll spend like three days there by myself, just me by myself. I'll drive there, no music, you know, I'll call maybe once in a while. But other than that, I leave the phone in the hotel. I give me a little chair, a little cooler, and I sit out there in the ocean and I allow my mind and my body to decompress and not have to think or worry about anything. And it, depending on how stressed I am, that can last from, you know, 40 minutes to four hours because so much to, to get your brain to stop running all the time is very, very difficult because we are constantly being stimulated via a phone or TV or the kids or work or your girl or whoever to mm-hmm. be in silence is really, really difficult because then you have to deal with everything that's going on in your head. And that's why a lot of people have a hard time sleeping because they're overstimulated. Right. Yeah. Um, but for me as a therapist, I don't walk around thinking I'm a therapist. You know, people like to say that you probably get this too. Well, well, you you should know better. You're a therapist. Well, hold up. Time out. No, I'm Dupree. I'm Ricky. I'm not. That's what I do. And yeah, I have, it's like, to me, it's like a spidey sense. Like 
I can walk into a room and analyze everything that's going to be going on in that way. Um, and be like, yep, that's about to happen here. That's about to happen there. Cause it doesn't stop turning or going. So I've had to learn how to turn it off. And so when I see a therapist that she helps me to kind of like, Hey, how you doing, Rick? It's like, Oh, nice. You get to see me as a person. Yeah. <laughs> he was what you do all the time. It's like, Oh, you're a therapist or, you know, you blah, blah, blah. It's like, nah, I'm a person. And what I do are the abilities or the talents I have in my head allow me to help people but without having the ability to decompress or have you know i go golfing i hang out with the fellas um you know try to build some stuff i mean i try to do things that are not around built around therapy to help me uh get away from but i think going again going to the ocean and hearing those things kind of help a lot for me um as a therapist and then seeing my therapist once a month just to be able to deal with the things that I'm going through, whether it's personal or it's professional, but it's having that person there I can dump off and reflect on. So, hmm. yeah. I, I second all, all of that. I have one too. And so, and um, yeah, it's, it's hard for me. A lot of it is the therapist and then also um, self-care. And so kind of like what Ricky was talking about the ocean and hanging out with the boys or it's trying to figure out what emotions am I right now? And then helping myself get through that with some sort of self-care that I'm doing. If it's, um, I have a hot tub. And so sometimes I'll sit in my hot tub and I'll write or, and I'll read or I'll, um, I'll go to the gym, depending on what's going on. If I'm angry or frustrated, I'll, I'll, I'll go to the gym or I'm, I'm not making headway. So I'm angry about that. And so I'll go to the gym and, and let it out there. Or um, if I'm really sad, I'll, I'll try and write or, I try and do different things depending on how I'm kind of processing to get, and then um, hanging out with my friends, hanging out with my family, trying to make sure that I still feel normal at the same time and can let myself not be like, take the hat off in a sense. Like, yeah. I'm, yes. I hat on, like I'm therapist, like I'm, I'm psychoanalyzing, I'm figuring stuff out. And so yeah. like, let me take that off and sit down and just be me, just be normal. Watch a Laker mm -hmm. game whatever and just relax and so yeah. kind of things help listen to music I, music is therapy for real yeah mine too so, right, perfect title yeah and, yeah and going into that i mean it's it's there's so many little things but you you have to allow yourself time to feel it and then process it and then um kind of like let it go in a sense and yeah. so yeah that physical off. part is key like you have the mm -hmm. mental part and the physical part. Yeah, I forget. I mean, I mentioned, you know, the gym, but also getting a massage because that, that's helping the, with the physiological stuff, right? If you were to talk to a therapist, that's nice, but you still got cortisol built up in your body. You still got that stress that's going on in your body that you normally can't get out of, you know, besides like getting a massage. So I make sure I get a massage at least once a month or, you know, before this COVID stuff, I was getting a massage once a month, going to the gym and, you know, staying active that way. So getting that, that from the physical standpoint is key. And then the mental part, like what Dupree's talking about, definitely agree with that is having that person you can go off. Because I agree with you, feeling normal. Like sometimes we do therapy so much that that becomes our normal. And then you see outside of your office, you be like, you feel like using a time warp or something like that. And then you go see people acting, behaving normally. And you're like, what is, is that normal? <laughs> you know, so, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. We have some comments from people. Somebody said uh, this is from Chris. He said having a solid separation between who we are and what we do is essential to maintaining uh, mental balance. 
Yes. Yeah, because you know, when I'm walking around going to the store, I don't want to be pimped sometimes. Mm. People come up to you like, yo, rap. Like, <laughs> like, what do you do for a living? Like, I don't come up to you and tell you, yo, pick up the garbage if you're a janitor. I mean, like, you know, like, or like, if you're like a plumber, I'm like, yo, go fix toilet. Like, like yeah. You, when you're a certain profession, they think you're automatically supposed to want to do it all the time. Oh like, man, that's <laughs> funny that you bring that up though, because shoot, you know, you know, you know, I what I had to deal with growing up, you know what I'm saying? Like, yo, Daniel, you got to go to the league. And it's a lot of pressure with- in, in, a, in the black community <laughs> to do these things. That the pressure that's put on you to succeed is like yeah. enormous. Yeah, enormous, enormous. And a lot enormous. of people don't make it mm-hmm. because you know because of that fact of having so much on your shoulders, being so young. It's a lot. Exactly. It, it, yeah, I agree with that one hundred percent. You know, because growing up, you know, with with a brother in the house in the same house as you that's ranked in the top five in the United States in high school. You know, I play basketball too, and you know, you gotta live up to it. Uh, you know, or or you ain't nothing pretty much, you know what I'm saying? So yeah, that and you see we gotta live up to, we gotta live up to Nas. Like if we're not yeah. Nas, it's like crazy. It's like how many people you know could be Nas? Like, yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, it's 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 just tough where you come from, especially in the black community. And um, and it's funny because I was gonna ask y'all um this question too about the uh, mental health stereotypes that us as black people, you know, that we face, but, you know, also through therapy is more about trauma and life experience. What y'all think about that one? Uh, Dupree. I'm having a hard time. Can you ask the question one more time? Oh, I'm sorry. My, 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 my apologies. You can hear me now? Yeah, I can hear you. I'm just trying to understand exactly what you're trying to ask. Oh, okay. I was I was basically asking, what are some of the mental health stereotypes that black men face? But through therapy, we find out is more about trauma and life experience. Um, man, it's there. There's so many different ones that I that I feel like get thrown on us all the time. And so, if it's angry or delinquent or whatever it, it is, it's society puts so many labels on us all the time. And I think. That's kind of what you guys were talking about with some of that pressure. It's like there's so much pressure on us all the time to succeed or to be better than. And I think that and uh, I think a lot of athletes have been talking about that now. It's like I'm an athlete, but yet and I've made it. But yet it doesn't matter. I still can't like people still don't respect us or still don't see us in this positive way. And I think um, it's so hard to kind of um, put a, a nail on to what exactly it is other than society, so it's hard. Rich? Um, You know, listening to you, Pip, say say that is like, makes me think of, uh, you know, Dave Chappelle, he said, you know, it's, uh, you can be infamous, you can't be unfamous. Mm. You heard heard him say, you guys heard that before? Is anyone want to skip? You know, it's kind of like once you become who you are and, and you guys being, you know, you guys being that famous, like you can't walk down the street. It's like, I just want to go get some chips. I don't want to have to do, you know, this thing that you expect me to do because that's what I do, not who I am. And mm-hmm. that's the differentiation is, is, you know, 
to, to know who you are as a person is a privilege. And I think that that's the, the, that's that part that we have to separate to saying, if I, anyone who's close to you knows who you are, it's like me saying, Oh, I, I, I like Michael Jordan. I don't know Michael Jordan. I know what he does in the court. Like, Oh, I, I love Oprah. And you don't, you don't know what she does. You don't know who she is. You just know what she does. Right. So a lot of times when those people are put in that spotlight, they've already attributed these negative, right. And or positive stereotypes that goes along with that person. Right. So you're kind of already in a way given this identity that you, that, that, that we see, but we don't know who you are. Right. So when those negative stereotypes come out, sometimes you're having to defend yourself on who you are as a person, but then that's not what they see. Right. So then when you do try to go and challenge that, it's like, oh, something's wrong with you. And it's like, no, that's not fair. You don't know me. You know what I do. And that that I've seen that kind of, you know, really hurt people emotionally because you're seeing what you want to see, not who I am as a person. And so those negative stereotypes can creep up even more so. Then on top of that, in the black community, I mean, you make one wrong move or one wrong thing or say one wrong thing and it's over. Mm. You know, or you're seen as negative, you're seen as aggressive, you're seen as a threat, you're seen as ghetto, you're seen as a thug, you're seen as all these different things that are not you, but can be pushed on you open your mouth. by choice. Hmm? And like even before you open your mouth, you know, yeah. a lot of a lot of us are. Uh, a lot of us in the young black community are in, are in like gangs, you know. So that's a label within itself. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So just being from that is can 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 hinder you and stop a lot of people from supporting you or even uh, dealing with you. But they don't know you, but just because you're affiliated with that, you're right. a drug or you're a you know. Uh, a savage or a thief or whatever or i want to get something out of you and i can't get it out of you so then i i i you know let me get an autograph oh no see he's he's rude he's this he's blah blah and it's like i'm with my family or i'm going to the corner store like you, what makes you think you have privilege to who i am as a person as a human being right right there goes that part of being infamous versus being unfamous like you can't you can and you can't at the same time yeah you know so watching how you carry yourself which is quite crazy in itself because the only time i get to be me is maybe when i'm by myself or with the friends or you know with your significant other those those times that you kind of get to take that cape off and get to be yourself outside of having the negative stereotypes that go along with what you think you want me to be or what you think i am Mm. No doubt, no doubt about that. Yeah, this is class of sessions right here, man. This is class <laughs> right here, man. I'm, I'm learning a lot. So I got a, I got a few more questions, man. Yeah. <laughs> You're just soaking it all in, bro. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So I got a couple more questions uh, for the therapist. Uh, Dupree, you can answer this one first, and uh, Ricky, you can answer. Um, Ricky or Richard, sorry, you can um, answer this uh, second. So, um. How have your black friends, you know, respond to you know you being a therapist? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, mostly positive. Um, mm. My friends are they're all pretty um, supportive for sure, and so they all think that I'm gonna psychoanalyze them at times. 
meaning mm-hmm. that I'm gonna like go extra deep or try and like tell them all their secrets or or trying to sense and yeah, that's what I was saying in the thing. <laughs> That that's farthest from the truth, and so like I don't want to do that when I'm not at work. And so, like you guys were just talking about, I don't want to sign. You probably don't want to sign autographs. You don't want to do those kind of things all the time. It's like no, I'm I want to do that when I'm there, and then that's it. And so, um, for the most part, they they really like it, and so and try and talk to me and spark conversation around what it's like and um, what are the benefits, what are not the benefits, um, or if there are any negatives. And so that's my experience has been relatively positive. Um, mm-hmm. I get some jokes cracked at me here and there, but you know, that's to be expected, but for the most part, it's really, really good. Mm. actual three sessions? <laughs> <laughs> I don't do therapy with family or friends. Don't do it. Right. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, and I think that's one of the things that's beautiful about therapy is, is that an unbiased opinion in whatever's going on. So I can like take, I take my personal feelings about this thing out of it and just help you with whatever's going on. And so when my friend or my family, I'm too attached, I'm too, too connected. So it's too hard for me to engage properly, basically. So yeah. But mm. yeah, they all that, and then they all try and ask advice or shoot me a text. Hey, what do you think about this? Or what do you think about that? And it's like, you're pushing the boundary. So, yeah, <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, hey, don't, yeah, exactly. Don't mix friends and business. Business and friends don't mix, you know what I mean? So, yeah. So, Piff, um, so basically, this is basically a form of therapy, man. You know what I'm saying? So, you had, you know, some views earlier in the show about, you know, therapy and stuff. So, has some of your views changed on it now? Like, would you be more open to doing like a third, like getting a therapist? Well, I was already open. That's why I did this. So, my views okay. already changed. Oh, okay, okay. Just um, you know, if I would say it's more of a cooler environment than I thought it would be, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's not. It's it's not padded rooms, man. I don't feel like (laughs) I don't feel like I cannot say something, you know, because sometimes you may feel like uncomfortable around new people, you know, people that you really don't know, or or you may feel like people don't understand you because they don't know you. But I, you know, I, 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 when I went to college and stuff, I did a lot of things that 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 helped me be open to new things. So it's not really that hard for me to be open to it. It just wasn't presented to me, so I never really seeked it. You know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right, uh, cool. Me. Uh, let's see. I've you know I've never had any I've never had anyone say anything negative about me being, me being a therapist. I've never, I've never been asked that question before. To be honest, when you said, it, I was like, "Let me." <laughs> no one's ever asked me that before. So, and I can't. The only, the only issue I do have is when people confuse me as a person and what I do. That's the only issue that I come in, and I do agree with the whole psychoanalyzing thing. And I usually get that more from women, like going on a date or something like that. You tell them what you do. Oh Lord, like that would be a problem, because then mm. they'd be like, "Oh, so can you tell me myself?" You don't want to, you know, don't, you don't know. We're not, no. So dating, that, that was a, that, that was, you know, interesting. Um, on a, on I learned never to tell someone you're a therapist on an airplane. Cause you go, you go end up talking the whole time. I'd have been anything else. 
so you know um but majority people love it they think it's just really awesome to be able to be a therapist especially being a black male therapist um there's not a lot of us uh, really what i was just about to say yeah there's not a lot of us thank you thank you yeah i mean because we need more and i, I try to i try to uh, articulate that when i'm doing videos or when i'm talking to people it's like trying to encourage that with the kids i work with if, you know i want to play basketball i want to be a gamer i want to be a rapper i'm like okay well and then you know the waiting list i know probably for you to pre super long mine's like four months long you know something like that crazy because there is none and or they have you know i want someone who looks like you i want my son to see someone who looks like you and i'm like well we got to keep going down the list you know type of deal until there's a time and a day that that's available so mm. um, but back to your question you know i've never had any issues with it people find it to be really interesting and you just have to make sure you set those boundaries and so people ask me questions i always give them two questions they say ricky you know what do you think about such and such and i say well let me ask you this are you asking me as Ricky? Or are you asking me as a therapist? Because you go get two separate answers if I choose to answer that question. Because if you ask me personally, I might say something way less because that you asking me as Ricky. But if you ask my therapeutic opinion on it, it would be different, or maybe different. Hmm. You know, that's cool. That's, yeah. That's so, that's um, enough. yeah. Real, go ahead. real quick, the interesting with how little there are. Um, men of color that are therapists. And yeah. I was one of two in my whole program, the whole um, time I was in my master's program. How many people um, were in the program? I honestly don't remember. And so um, how many people were in the program? I was there for two and a half years. And in the two and a half years I'm getting it, it there was two of us that were men of color. And for it was my last semester that there was another uh, person of color that was, and he wasn't black. He was, um, I think he was Hispanic. And so, right. it, and so it's like this, it's even more kind of like, there's just not a lot of us. And yeah. my program was nine to one in men to women ratio. So there was so many more women than there oh, were. Yeah. yeah. So I was the only black person in my program and it was there. It was 35, uh, students and I was the only one. Yeah. You know, I went to Gonzaga university in, uh, Spokane. Mm. You know, great basketball, but yeah. Bobby Sacre, Adam Morrison, Ronnie Turioff, Adam, Matt Santangelo. Adam Morrison was tough. Yeah, Matt Santangelo, <laughs> yeah. Had a free championship too. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. That's cool, man. All right. So final question uh for the for the um for Ricky first and then um, Dupree second. Uh, so what are some of the ways that y'all are pushing the culture of therapy forward? Oh, geez. I am trying to get on every platform. Like I have, you know, I have a Facebook, I have Instagram, and I try to go live on those um, every so often to address issues. Um, I mean, we have certain things within the community of Tacoma that I always try to get, get into. That having a family makes it a little more difficult and I work Monday through Thursday from 10 in the morning or nine in the morning to six at night, one Saturday a month. So we could work, Dupree and I could work 24 hours, seven days a week, and it still wouldn't be enough without the boundaries that we set. So I'm, would you agree with that, Dupree? Definitely. Yeah. So using social media is something that I can do to get my voice out there. Um, but literally, I mean, I've got three new phone calls today on my phone. Hey, Ricky, I know somebody who needs therapy and blah. it just doesn't stop. So 
for me is trying to look into getting into groups maybe or maybe doing more of a platform like this where you know people chime in we get eight people or you know five people we discuss a specific topic and then use kind of a group therapy setting to kind of branch that out and be able to feed off of that a little bit more um but a lot of it is just i got as many people as i can help i possibly can uh, and then using social media uh, also I've, I've gone into high schools to promote counseling and a lot of times you know people the kids don't have a clue in terms of they you know well, how much money you know how much money do you make and you know you're a therapist like you don't look like one <laughs> you know you right. get that yeah exactly you know i get that in my office when i get a new patient they come in and they think i'm the secretary they they have them here to see richard solitaire and i'm like can you tell them more can i've had patients say they sit in my waiting room they say can you please tell them that that, that we're ready because they get a referral from their insurance so they're expecting oh. some white guy and I'm sitting here at the desk and I take their paperwork and I go into my office and I come right back out and say, Hey, nice to meet you. I'm Richard Solitaire. And then you, and usually, you know, white people are like, you can see it in their face. They don't, you can see, I see it all the time. You can see it's either, I didn't expect you to be so young or I didn't expect you to be black or I didn't expect you to be both. Mm. Right. So those are things that I try to break down those walls and for young Black boys say, no, you can be a therapist. This is what it's like. Like, oh, that's cool. You got a basketball in your office or you got, yeah, I mean. So, but again, am I helping the issue? Am I addressing the issue? Are you getting your needs met? You know, um, all that comes into play. So trying to use my voice as much as I possibly can and my face um, using social media as much as possible to kind of promote that. So, hmm. yeah. I think social media is the biggest one. And so doing things, anything and everything that we possibly can or I possibly can to get myself out there and that it's okay to get therapy. And so it's not, it's not as bad as we think it is or as society says it is, if that makes sense. So just trying to get my name out there, get myself out there, um, Google, Facebook, Instagram, whatever. So somebody told me today that they saw um, one of the ads I was running on, on um, Snapchat and I didn't even put it on there. Someone screenshotted it and put it out for people to see. And so that was kind of cool. And so it's just like trying to get out as much as possible to help people that I'm here and that I, I can help. And yeah. So, um, you on psychology today? Yeah, and psychology today. Yeah, okay, so make sure. okay, I'm on there as well. So I just wanna make sure you had that platform too. Okay, cool. That's dope, man. That's dope, man. Well, I want to thank y'all for coming on to the show today, man. And um, thank you for coming into the space. Piff, thank you for coming on to the show as well. You know, I feel like great. This was definitely, yeah. this was definitely great. Yes, but sir. Yes, sir. Even for my followers to see, because you know, I have a I have a strong um uh urban um presence. Uh, yeah following you know for them to see this live you know a lot of them probably wouldn't comment on them but i bet you they're gonna watch <laughs> yeah exactly and they, when they get in their little space they're gonna see let me see what these guys are talking about you know? <laughs> exactly exactly so so before before we go i just want you to um you know shout out your social media um stuff where everybody that's watching you know wherever we at um uh, can find y'all you can start with richard go with dupree and then we'll end with piff Okay. Uh, I'm on Facebook. Just, you know, just search Richard Solitaire. Um, I have my, my business on there. It's uh, Solitaire Therapy as well. I have my uh, Instagram, which is uh, Solitaire Therapy as well. And uh, Richard uh, W. Solitaire uh, on Instagram. Um, if you get, even if you Googled me, if you Googled Richard Solitaire, 
uh, I'm the only one that comes up. Well, besides my dad, but he's not on social media like that. But um, you just Google Richard Solitaire. My page comes up via psychology today and has all my information, the years of experience, the insurances that I take, um, as well as the cash rate, as well as um, the multitude of uh, issues that I deal with from ADHD to Asperger's, autism, grief and loss, depression, all these things for 13 years. So um, I would just recommend if, if, if you can't find me on those social media th platforms, just go ahead and Google my name and it'll come up. Okay. Um, I have a website. It's um, bcff. T.com. Sorry, uh, bcfft.com. And so Belief Center for Family Therapy.com. And so that's a big one. Um, you, like Richard said, you can Google me or Facebook. Um, my business is called Belief Center for Family Therapy. And so you can put that into Facebook or put that into Google. It should pop right up. Or just Belief Center um, should usually do it too, or my name. Um, Instagram's my name, Free Browse. So any of those. So those are the big ones. Psychology Today as well. So. Cool. Okay. Um, well, uh, all my social media handles are the same except for Snapchat. Um, so you can find me at P I I F Jones, J O N E S, Pip Jones. I'll spell it with two eyes, you know. So I'm different. <laughs> but, um, I'm trying to you, Piff, and I could, I was like, Piff, Yeah, you're not gonna see a lot of people. Yeah, two eyes got me. <laughs> looking for the norm, you gotta be it's like French a little bit, it's like peace. <laughs> yeah man well yeah man, i know you find me on there uh, Pip jones and um and also on um i have music on all um all streaming platforms okay uh, every single one that you could use from title down to amazon down to uh anything spotify google spotify okay so. spotify google play everything you know you just type in my name pip jones and all my music will come up if you type it on Google, my whole life will come up. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, man. Pip Jones. Um, that's it. That's my brand. That's my name. That's my claim to fame. That's right here. Freestyle Friday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Um, I'm I'm Daniel Artest. Y'all know y'all can find me at Daniel Artest Podcast. I mean Daniel Artest Pod on Instagram and Twitter. And uh, on Facebook as well, you can just search Daniel Artest and you can find me there. And also DRTest TV on YouTube. And with that being said, I want to thank all three of y'all for coming onto the show. Oh, I'm sorry, I ain't shot my podcast out. Go ahead, man. Go, yeah, go ahead. In the Loop with Piff podcast is on Facebook, but it's going to be everywhere soon. Shout out to Daniel and the team behind the scenes for making this happen. But In the yes, Loop sir. with Piff the podcast. <laughs> Gotta shout it out. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And thank um, yeah. You. Thank you yeah, guys for the opportunity. Yeah. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you for getting us out there. It's important for everyone, for all of us, that this is available and what it is, and so and start breaking some of these walls down. Stigma. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, and I want to say thank you as well. I appreciate you know even asking me to, for this you know to be on this uh, yeah. to help as much as I possibly can. Anyone who's live that has young boys young you know black men i encourage you guys to look into counseling either for them or looking to if you if you see that talent within your son or your daughter and that they can see things they have very they're very intuitive look into counseling for them and trying to you know maybe navigate towards them maybe um 
you know, work with a therapist, you know, type of deal, because it's very lucrative. It's very, and, and not just financially, but it is in terms of helping your community. And that's why we need, we need to reach our youth a lot more so that we can't say, oh, there is no black male therapist. Well, what are we doing to, to, to bring them up towards that? You know, we say we need that, but then we're pushing other things that are going on, but we need, you know, we need to push that more so we can continue to help our own communities um, say we we can see someone who looks like us and that they're good therapists and they can help. So I want to make sure anyone who's watching, I know we're live. That's a big thing everywhere, especially right now with what's going on in this world. We need therapy. Right. Amen. And it would be so nice to see someone who looks just like you or that. Say, hey, you know, I don't have to explain a whole hour on or something that my cultural background when yeah, I can just see you and, and you get it that yeah. that there makes everything so much easier and free to be able to articulate and express how I feel as a person coming to you for therapy. So if we can do that. I think that will definitely help with the change that we're talking about in terms of, you know, black lives matter. They do matter. And so we got to make sure that our community knows that, you know, yes, sir. 100% agree, man. 100% therapy. Talk to a brother. <laughs> exactly. Hashtag talk to a brother. That's a commercial. Talk to a brother. Need a good commercial, a good therapy. Yeah. Commercial. I just want five percent of it. I just want five percent. That's all. Right. I don't want much. That's a lot. Give me five. Presented a lot. Yeah, I was about to say a lot. Percent. Hey, listen, man. Don't worry, it's cool too, man. Listen, give me the discount, man. It's cool, five percent. Appreciate you guys. Ah, yeah. Doing a uh, discount right now for anyone that's going through anything, dealing, struggling with all the injustice in the world right now. So right. all you reach out to me, and I'm doing a special. I also have sliding scale options so that financial weight isn't a burden. So that way, if anyone's really struggling with everything going on, you need to talk about it. You need to process it. You need to just grasp how you're feeling, what's going on. Can always reach out and let's let's process how you're feeling. Let's try and get through it together. So, um, okay, cool, man. Yep. Well, man, y'all have a good night, man. Y'all be safe out there. And with All that right. being said, man, we out, man. Peace. Yeah. Take care, you guys. Peace, yes, sir.